0: presence of the Lord is here. And when the Lord comes, He comes with healing in His wings. For the brokenhearted, for the sick, for everything that you could ever imagine, the Lord is here for you. And no matter how small or how big, God can help you. God can help you through it. And it's His desire, it's His will to help you. Father God sent His Son Jesus to come and help us to walk with us, to care for us, to have sympathy and compassion on us, and to understand us, and for us to understand Him. And I want you to know that that God is here. And He is in us, and He is in this place. And it's His desire to love on you and to help you. We've been talking the last few weeks about godly friendships We've learned the last also couple weeks about mentors and how there are people in the church that God places in the church to help you get to where you need to be, get to where God has called you to be. And without those godly friendships, we can't get there. You can't do it on your own. It takes people. It takes a village. It takes a church. Amen? How many of you are where you are today because of people? negatively or positively. That's not necessarily always good. Sometimes I've wound up on the wrong road, and a lot of times due to people, due to decisions I've made and due to people that have influenced me in the wrong way. On the flip side, there's also godly people that have helped me get to where I'm going. And it's so important, and it's important to the Lord. We've seen in Scripture over the last few weeks how God wants you to have the right friends. Everybody say amen. Last week, we learned that it takes two to agree. God says that if two will agree on a thing, He'll do it. It takes two. It takes more than you, and it takes agreement. How many of you know for a good marriage, it's going to take some agreement? That's hard. Sometimes I don't want to agree. Can anybody say amen to that? Not about me not wanting to agree. About you not wanting to agree. Yeah. But it takes more than one, and it's such a big thought. And I've got to be counting on people. And last week, we also learned about our mentors as not making them be perfect because there's no perfect person out there. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's the perfect one. He's in us, but we're still not perfect. So don't make your mentors be perfect. But today... Let me just say how blessed I am. I am such a blessed person. And God has given me such an incredible wife. And she is an, an honest wife. She is a wife full of truth and one that so desires righteousness. And I've been so blessed by the people that God has put around me, by some of my closest friends, by my parents. I have been so blessed with the people that have been around me. But it's not just about the people it's about being in the right place. How many of you have been in the wrong place at the wrong time? Do you know God's a God of places? I'm going to show you that today. We're going to talk about places. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Let me read this to you. For one man, he made every nation of the human race to inhabit the entire earth, determining their set times and the fixed limits Of the places where they would live. God is a God of time and He is a God of places. God has a place for you, God has a time for you. There is a time. If you look, um, is it uh, Ecclesiastes? There's a time for everything. God is a God of time and a God of places. If you're somebody who loves ice fishing and you got to be somebody that ice fishes all the time, this is not the place to live. If you love hiking in the mountains out in Colorado, we don't have those kind of mountains here. We've got cool mountains here, but not Colorado mountains. You can see that there are some places that are particular to maybe certain likes or that sort of thing. But if you like surfing, Tennessee is not your spot, unless you like car surfing. Don't do that. God wants to be the Lord of every part of your life. Psalm chapter 16 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. In other words, David is saying, David is saying that there are boundary lines for my life. And those boundary lines are both places that everything inside is to be treated as pleasant. And everything on the outside is to be treated as forbidden. And we get in so much trouble in our life, trying to live this purpose-driven life, but we find ourselves outside of those boundaries. We're looking for things to go right, but if we would look at where we are, we're not in the right place. Have you ever tried to get a blessing in the wrong spot? That's what the church does. We get out here and wander off and then ask God to bless us. God says, whoa, 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 whoa. I've told you where to go. Get there and I will bless you. Don't go do your own thing and then ask me to bless it. How many times do we do our own thing and then ask God to rescue us? And usually God does. But what he does is he pulls you back under his fold. Amen. God has a place. Are you with me? To have a truly purpose-driven life, a life that God is truly the Lord, is the Lord of our life, we must be trained We can see that our world is not living a purpose-driven life, even within the church. That's why we see so much adultery in our society, because we don't have the respect of our boundaries that God has given us. We are breaking those boundaries. And we look at adultery and just think of marriage and sex, but there are a lot of ways to commit adultery. Do you hear me? There are a lot of ways to get outside of what the true rules that God has placed forth for us. Amen? David said, no, there are boundaries that God holds us into, and he wants us to believe within those boundaries for a pleasurable life. Did you catch that? He said that within those boundaries is pleasure. We've been taught so much by the world that the boundaries within Christ are not pleasurable. We've got to get outside of those boundaries to be pleasurable. The Word of God says just the opposite are you with me? Have I lost you? Okay. Sometimes when I'm getting no response, I'm like, what? We need coffee. We need to do jumping jacks. It's so easy within the workplace to find ourselves outside of boundaries, to cross lines when it comes to sales or when it comes to any area that we live in, sometimes we think that we've got to cross those boundaries in order to be successful. You know what happens when we decide to take it on ourselves? is it is a lack of trust. We no longer trust God within his boundaries. We think we've got to step outside in order to get ahead. It's a lack of faith. You remember God says you have to excel in another man's field before God one day will give you your own. Did you hear me? Be faithful over little, and he'll give you much. We just want the much. So how do we get to the next level? David has this understanding that God has boundaries for my life. And these boundaries are to be pleasant places where I'm believing God for the best. But I can tell you sometimes within those boundaries, it doesn't seem pleasant. Pleasant. And that's why Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, said something so profound at the beginning of the book. He says, you'll never find God's purpose for your life until it's not about you. That's tough. There's a place where God's grace is rewarded in your life, and you have to learn to call that a pleasant place. Joseph is a good example of this as a teenager. He was devoted to God. He was a believer in the Lord. His father even affirmed that belief, placed a coat of many colors on him. He did not necessarily affirm his other sons, but he affirmed Joseph. And Joseph had a dream. And Joseph had a dream that he saw his father and his siblings all bowing down to him and him having authority over them. And I believe Joseph made a mistake by sharing that with his family. Anybody here ever have challenges within your family? Well, imagine a sibling showing up and saying what Joseph said to his family. What happened? The brothers responded in rebellion, responded in anger, and went and sold him into slavery. Sold the brother into slavery, came home and told dad that he was dead. That doesn't seem like a pleasurable place, does it? Yet Joseph stayed, kept his heart right with the Lord. He went in and what happened with Joseph? He got in jail. I'm sorry, he got sold into slavery and he went into Potiphar's home. What happened with Joseph at Potiphar? Now, we know what wrong what happened wrong, but Joseph got trained in the way that the king operates. What we don't see is what was happening to Joseph in this place. The place with Potiphar was a pleasant place because God was preparing him for something so incredible, no one would have believed it. Do you know what God was preparing him for? rescuing a nation, coming out of slavery, working as a slave for Potiphar. God had a plan. God had a plan for Joseph, and Joseph stayed under authority. What happened? It all turned south. Anybody here ever feel like you're doing the right thing, serving the Lord, going great, and then all of a sudden, things turned south. Joseph got accused of inappropriately being with Potiphar's wife. Back to jail. In jail, Joseph had favor. Joseph served in jail. The jailer exalted him, put him over the whole jail. Next thing you know, the cupbearer, two servants from the king shows up in jail. Both of them have a dream. Joseph interprets the dream. Both come true. One dies, as Joseph had predicted, prophesied. The cupbearer went back, forgot all about Joseph. What a pleasant place this is, God. What are you doing? Continued to serve, led that jail until the king had a dream. He had a dream. The cupbearer says, I know. I know where to go. There is a man sitting in jail right now that has your answer. And here comes Joseph. God exalted over the nation, was given full authority, as much authority as Pharaoh. Do you remember? To lead that nation. God has a plan and a place for you. Sometimes things don't look great. That doesn't mean you've lost God. God. You haven't lost God. God is still with you. God still has a plan. And even in some of our worst circumstances, God can work them for good. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't, but the Lord does, and he is with you. I have an incredible belief that if you will just trust and continue to walk, God is going to rescue you. It's a belief not just based on um, stories. It's a belief on my testimony. It's a belief on God working in my life. God proving through my life that his word is true and can be trusted at all times. You may be at a point where say, I can I'm not there, pastor. That's why the church is here. To come alongside you and say, I know you're about to get a divorce. I know your life's about to fall apart, but I've been there. And let me give you my testimony, and I'm going to walk with you, and let's start trusting God, and I'm going to keep following up with you. Are you still trusting? Do you still have faith? I had my, my child this week calling, uh, said she had to lead a devotional. I want you to know what incredible things are happening in our high school. She went on a volleyball trip, and the, teach, the, the head coach made them lead devotionals. It was incredible. So she called me and said, look, this is kind of what I've got in my mind. What do you say? And I started pouring into her heart. She's talking about worry. And uh, I said, you know what worry is? What, dad? It's the opposite of faith. She had all these scriptures ready to take on worry. And I said, wait a minute, there's one more. Worry is the opposite of faith. So sidetrack, they're down at the beach Out in the water, and here comes the lifeguard screaming, Get out of the water! They're out on the sandbar, and I'm probably telling this all wrong, but I get to tell it. (laughs) Screaming, and people are running off the beach, running, swimming. I was told, Brianna, you were even further out, but Ruth Ann had somebody else by the hand and was gone. There was an eight-foot hammerhead shark. God's with them. God's with them. There are, sh- let me just tell you, church on the hill, you step outside these doors, you step inside these doors, there are sharks swarming, waiting to pick you off. Do you know that the, it says that the enemy is just waiting to pick off people? Waiting to pick you off. But God is with you. I want you to know that that lifeguard served, in my opinion, as God protecting you. The authority, seeing, speaking, you responding, and getting out. You've come in here almost about to drown, and I want you to know the Lord is saying, come back to shore. Come back to shore. No, it may not be quite as fun as you out there on the sandbar goofing off. But come off the shore. Come back to me. I've got you. I have a place for you. I have a time for you. And right now it's not out there in that water. Right now it's back with me. Yeah, it may not look as fun, but right now we're not talking about fun. Right now we're talking about safe and a future and the right direction. Can I encourage you? Come back to shore. Come back to shore. It says in Psalm 37, verse 3 Stay connected with me, church. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Today, I want you to think about who who are the who's in your life and the where's and the when's of your life and whether or not you're really letting God be God. Whether or not you're really letting God be God. God has a place for you. God has a time for you. God has a plan for you. And God has blessings for you. It is the Lord's good will, good pleasure to bless you. Did you know that? It is His good pleasure to bless you. God has a plan. So as I close, I want to give you three keys to God-ordained relationships. Number one, they begin with prayer. I want you to know if you are looking to get married, if you are looking to build a relationship, you need to be asking the Lord, where is he in this? Because I see people get connected that don't need to be connected. Do you know there are wrong relationships out there? And we've been talking for the last few weeks, and I know I sound a little bit like a broken record. You need to be praying. Parents, you need to be praying for your children to have the right friends, and you need to be paying attention to who those friends are, because that's your role, parents, is to help lead your children, because I can tell you, our children don't always make the right decision. Even when we try with everything we've got to help them make the right decision, sometimes they don't, and you know what? That's life. But we need to be making the right friendships. And I want you to know God's so much on the hook on it that if you ask him who's the right ones, he's going to tell you. He's going to lead you to the right husband. He's going to lead you to the right wife. Caution if you're, if you're doing all the choosing. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says that two are better than one. There are relationships for you. It says in that, in that scripture that if one falls down, if they don't have somebody else, no one's there to help pick them up. How important the right relationship is. Number two, church, they take time. And what I mean is you've got to spend time with each other. Uh, my wife's um, love language is quality time. And there's a difference in me being in the same room with her and quality time. There's a difference in me and her having a discussion and me being a black hole and hardly hearing anything that she's saying, but I'm looking at her and I'm nodding, but I'm not there. No one's home. Guys, can y'all relate? Everybody say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Quality time. Look each other in the eyes, listen to what each other are saying. Look at this scripture. I'm almost done. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Closer than a brother. God has the right friendships for you. Finally, prayer, they take time, and it takes effort. How many of you know, let me ask you this way. To be your friend, it takes effort. Can I flip it onto your side that the people that are trying to get close to you, it's taken them a lot of effort to be your friend. It's so much easier for me to look. Mark and I went and had coffee this week and it takes effort for me to be his friend. Not a lot. He's a great, he's easy. But it does, it takes effort. We've got to take out time. We've got to go sit down with one another. I've got to close my mouth long enough to let him talk about what's going on in his life, even though I want to just talk about what's going on in mine. Don't we most of the time when we're spending time with each other, we want to just tell what our problems are? A good friend closes their mouth and listens to what the other one's going, going through. A good friend listens. My friendships take effort, and I know that the people on the other side of the table, it takes effort. I'm a challenging person. I need people to give, some, give me some effort to be my friend. Bill, are you nodding because you agree? Church on the Hill, godly relationships take effort. It's not just poof and you have them. And sometimes you get to some of those crossroads that that take a little bit more effort to get through. God has the right relationships for you. It says in Proverbs 17 17 that a, a friend loves at all times, all seasons. And I want you to know that friendships require us to support one another in the good times and the bad times. I don't need you to just be my friend during the good times. I, that, when I need you is when the, in the bad, bad times. And you know that takes effort because we become needy. They require effort. I'm going to close with this scripture. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. How many of you know that when iron sharpens iron, sparks fly? It's not easy to sharpen iron. So when I get, start to get close to individuals and we really start to get close to each other, all of a sudden things start getting real and sparks start flying. Do you know why? Why? Because God's trying to sharpen you. And you know what we can do? We can say, ooh, I don't like that. I don't like you anymore. Done with you. You know what God's saying? Hey, I'm trying to mold and make you. I've put godly people in your life to help you. Are you going to not listen to what I'm saying? Because I'm speaking through that person. God, that hurts. Well, okay. Let's talk about you hurting. Sorry you hurt, but this is the right way. Push through. Let God sharpen you. That comes through friendship. I want to encourage you. We're all so different. And you know God has gifted some of us to be analytical. Anybody here analytical? Good. Thank you for raising your hands. <laughs> I am analytical. I am, I am one of those that I can just tear people apart. I can tear things apart quickly. But I want you to know sometimes you need to just chill a little bit. Overlook some things sometimes and just be a friend. We were talking in Sunday school today is one of the hardest things about being a friend is listening. Don't feel like you got to talk all the time. Just listen. And, you know, there are those that uh, on the other side of the spectrum just carefree, couldn't care less. And there are challenges that go with people that have that personality too. They need the analytical people around them to help get them back on track. They need a spreadsheet for their life. Me, I need people to burn my spreadsheets. God's put us together on purpose. My, me and Elizabeth are a c- couple of the most opposite people. Yet, in so many areas, we're very similar. And God has placed us together to help us to get where we're supposed to be. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of a friend. But as we have these different ways, our different personalities, because of those personalities, sometimes we put up walls where we don't allow friendships in. And what I want to pray for you today is to break that wall down and to allow the Lord to come in through people, to allow the Holy Spirit to come in, to allow healing to take place. Because as long as you stay on the outside, nobody can get through. Not even God. So as we pray for just a minute, can I just, can we just agree together for the walls that maybe we've put up, maybe in marriage, maybe with our parents, maybe with our siblings, maybe with friendships. And church, I want you to know, I know you've been hurt. Not trying to say that your hurt's not real. But the Lord wants to soften your heart. And he wants to place in your life godly people to help you. So let me just pray for you for just a minute. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you, Lord, to just tear those walls of bondage, these walls that we've put up to hold people away, and Lord, even to hold you away. And I just ask you, Lord, just to tear those walls down. Lord, at the same time, I just ask for healing to take place in our hearts where we've we've stuck our necks out and we've gotten our necks chopped off. Father, I just pray for godly relationships according to your word and according to your heart and according to your purpose and plan for our life. Just ask you, Lord, to restore our heart to be able to receive what it is that you're wanting to do in our life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.